This episode is about the Crypto Anarchist Manifesto by Timothy C. May. This was written in 1988, and he was part of, Timothy C. May was part of this crypto anarchist cypherpunk group that was trying to explore ways they could use cryptography to better protect and provide rights for people um, in the coming sort of digital age that they saw. Timothy's first point is essentially that we are on the verge of totally anonymous communication, that our current conception of reputation will be replaced by a more extensive and detailed reputation system of the future. This would be sort of like a reputation system where everything you do is tracked. And so you can have a higher resolution image of people's reputations. A greater um, detailed understanding of who people are and what they've done and how you can use that to your benefit. That is a degradation of privacy. When you can use the information other people don't want you to have to exploit them. This was obviously a major issue of contention for the crypto anarchists and cypherpunks, and they were armed to use cryptography, the tools of cryptography, right? Think about this like cryptographic tools. These are methods. These are, you know, particular mathematical functions that were used to protect and instantiate digital rights. Like that idea is so cool. That idea is at the core of this whole movement, and it's part of the inspiration behind Bitcoin, behind cryptocurrencies. These things are a reaction to new technical bounds. We can now create a sort of digitally instantiated right of privacy and use tools to protect that. The second point that he makes is about the cryptographic technologies. So basically, he says, look, we have all these different cryptographic technologies and they can change the way that we interact with one another. So basically, it's a new form of communication. And I think he is so right on that point. So if I communicate with you, um, you know, there's many ways I can do that. But like the digital age changes that communication, right? Written word changed that. And then the printing press changed that. Okay, so so maybe it makes sense to kind of really just lay out the different ways that I could communicate with you and what advances in communication have done. So let's start from the beginning. So we have spoken language. Spoken language is huge. It's like a zero to one Peter Thiel type innovation where I can't communicate with you at all. And now I can communicate. I can express things to you, right? And there's different mechanisms I can use to communicate. I can use body language, I can use um, sort of like the tonality of my voice, right? I can use now words to, to speak to you and with a greater degree of resolution that wasn't possible with just say tonality or with just you know physical body movements, whatever. That was a big leap forward in communication. So from nonverbal to verbal, so no language to language. And then written language is a big thing too. When we can take these sounds and sort of weird constructions and just go ahead and put those down so that people can see them even after you died that is a huge thing 
so that people can understand our words, can see our words, our ideas, even when we're not present. That's huge, right? Really changes the game. And then um, after that, you could say, you know, maybe that that you know that that written technology or technology that enabled the written word to spread got better over time with ink um, and more complex tools. But basically, the next big thing was the printing press. So we had the Gutenberg revolution, and the printing press dispersed the word. So it's it's even a greater degree. Not of just your thoughts can be around when you're not present, but your thoughts can be around and your thoughts can be moved to people in this sort of weird mechanical way where you don't even have to put in the effort to etch them out for every person who you, for every copy of your work to be spread. Like you can outsource that to a machine. You can outsource the creation. You can outsource the replication of your ideas to a machine. So that many people can see them. The amount of people that can view your work is no longer limited by human constraints. So that's a huge change to the way that we communicate it. And you'll notice too, that after every single improvement to the nature of communication, societies change. Like it's not a coincidence that the written word coincided with specific laws. It's not a coincidence perhaps that massive areas of philosophical development, of intellectual development, preceded the printing press. And it will not be a coincidence that, say, that the way that we communicate the ideas that we have about modern culture are really mediated by zero costs, essentially. You could say digital information has near zero marginal cost to replicate, to, to disperse, right? It's even lower than the printing press. This affects the way that information spreads. Therefore, it affects the kinds of information that can spread. And then there's also these interesting mechanisms that have been sort of imposed on the system, say by Twitter and, and some of these other systems. And so this really changes the nature of communication. And Timothy C. May here is pointing at this idea, and I would totally back this up, that Cryptocurrency, that there's a sort of cryptographically in a native form of communication that we haven't realized yet. So he calls this, quote unquote, the crypto net. So he says, various criminals and foreign elements will be active users of crypto net, but this will not spread. Sorry, my bad. But this will not halt the spread of crypto anarchy. Crypto net. What if there was a system where instead of, you know, you have the internet, you have the internet where, you know, you can, you can, you use Google, it's under your name or it's under a pseudonym, but that can still be tied to your name. I mean, what if you really could have a different identity on this crypto net? What if you could own your own stuff? Like web three, quote unquote, seems very similar to this crypto net that he proposes. The next section that he talks about some of the um, tools that can actually be used to instantiate this change he's, he's discussing. And so these are tools that we have right now. So um, public key cryptography, right? This is central to Bitcoin. This is how the reputation system works. This is how digital signing works. 
Um, it's also called asymmetric cryptography. So, so the, the another piece he talks about is this zero knowledge interactive proofs thing. Right? ZK rollups are being used to scale Ethereum and some of the other L1s. And he also talks about verification and authentication protocols. Right? This, even though if he didn't have it in mind, this could have been, say, using NFTs to represent an individual's identity. And that identity can be verified or authenticated um, when you need to prove that you are you. He also talks about this, this new structure creating a sort of space for the seamless interchange of digital goods. So he says, emerging information markets, crypto anarchy will create a liquid market for any and all material which can be put into words and pictures. Just as a seemingly minor invention like barbed wire made possible the fencing off of vast ranches and farms, thus altering forever the concepts of land and property rights on the frontier west, so too will the seemingly minor discovery of an arcane branch of mathematics come to be the wire clippers which will dismantle the barbed wire around intellectual property. And so this development doesn't stop at intellectual property. This development changes the, the way that we communicate. So anything that's involved with communication is going to be impacted to allow the tools of cryptography to facilitate a new kind of communication. A new communication motivates new economic activity. Economic activity, he holds, that can't be stopped by the government. That can't be dismantled by the government. Economic activity, which is organic, which is fundamentally capitalist. So if we realize this vision that Timothy May puts out here in the Crypto Anarchist Manifesto, we would have a world that is... Um, perhaps more free, where communication can be more organic, where ideas can flow naturally, where they're limited in a more meritocratic sense, where economics can be limited in a more meritocratic sense, not a you know vague, faceless, bureaucratic um, organization, organizations that are just sort of mediating things arbitrarily. I mean, there's actual reason and purpose and things that happen, things that are adopted are adopted because they push the limits on what's possible. They provide real value. So it's kind of getting away from this abstract, arbitrary um, order and returning to something that's actually necessary, returning to a kind of order that is efficient. And societies are built upon this efficient order when they're first constructed. As time passes, they add more arbitrary rules. And these arbitrary rules make the society less efficient. These arbitrary rules need to be removed if the society is going to realize efficiency. We have not seen the removal of these laws. Perhaps... Crypto and these crypto net could be steps in the right direction for making the world a more free place, creating a society where rights are better respected and exist in a more absolute and reasonable sense. 
where you have rights because those rights allow you to produce value. That's the reason that rights exist in the first place. Sure, rights may exist because we can suffer, but rights also exist in the economic sense because the society as a whole is better off when we have them. When you can produce economic value, if you're given the ability to think freely, you are more valuable to a society in that regard. And those were some of the key ideas of the Crypto Anarchist Manifesto, as well as my commentary. Please rate the podcast in the bottom. I will see you in the next episode. Thank you for watching.